under his right arm. But no one asks his business. Their chief isn't difficult to identify. A looming, fleshy fellow clad in impeccable butler's black, he watches from the sidelines, issuing orders and rebukes while doing none of the real work. Will steals himself and approaches. The man eyes him impatiently as he begins the introduction he rehearsed in the stage. I have here a letter from Mr. Lassels, dated 5th of July, requesting that I attend him at... The butler, or whatever he is, breaks away to harass a pair of footmen bearing flat crates stamped with the mark of a London auction house, telling them to be extremely careful that their positions are at stake and so on. Will follows, talking still, a strong, sudden indignation banishing any vestige of nervousness, and he crosses the threshold of the mighty house without even noticing. They weave down a corridor littered with luggage. Will is determined to have this man hear him out, but cannot prize his attention from those accursed crates. In an effort to push himself forwards, he stumbles against a trunk and knocks the umbrella from the end of his stick. The umbrella is a quality item, not cheap, purchased on Oxford Street, especially for the Northern Tour, and has proved its worth many times. Will wheels about, searching for it, and the butler is gone, around a corner, through a door. The umbrella is trapped between a stack of shoeboxes and a wickerwork hamper. Will stands over it protectively. A retrieval would involve putting down his books or his bundle, and he's unwilling to do either. It seems all too likely that something could be mixed up in the clutter and accidentally carried off. After the still luminous heat of the driveway, this basement has an unsettling effect. The air reeks of tallow and boot polish, and it is quite dark. The only light is admitted through the service entrance and a narrow court somewhere up ahead, broken blue-white reflections gleaming across the floor tiles. Every variety of servant hurries by, focused on specific, pressing duties, disappearing down passages and into rooms. It is like a bustling underground village, or the lower deck of a huge merchant ship. Will is attempting to lift the umbrella free with his shoe to work the toe into the curved cane handle, when a hand comes to rest in the crook of his elbow. He starts, turning again. The person beside him ducks to avoid being clobbered by his bundle. It is a woman, two or three inches taller than he is. She is wearing a maid's mob cap over a mass of black hair and carries a shallow basket piled with plants. The eastern doorway is at her back, the daylight beyond it making it hard to see much of her face. Will apologizes, indicating his conundrum. In one movement she crouches, plucks up the umbrella, and hangs it where her hand was two seconds before. Much obliged, he mutters. The maid is studying his person, the bundle, the leather-bound books. You're the draftsman, she says, up from London. I've heard them talking about you. Her voice has a ripe rough edge to it, the Yorkshire inflections mingled with something Will can't place. She's older than he'd first thought, though how old precisely he wouldn't like to say. Her hips are broad and arranged at a slight angle, 
Her bosom, he can't help noticing, is remarkably ample. Her forearms, exposed by rolled-up sleeves, are sun-tanned and etched with muscle. There is no deference in her manner, such as a personal guest of Lord Harwood's son might expect as his due, just a powerful, amiable curiosity. "'Ain't you a mite early, sir? Weren't you supposed to be joining us at the end of the week?' Will shakes his head. He won't have this. "'A letter was waiting for me in York, at the Black Horse. The dates were clear.' The maid moves by him further into the house, and now Will can discern the roundness of chin. Her ink-black eyes, with their long lashes, her wide lips, and the lines at their sides. A heath gypsy, he thinks. Will has been travelling in the north for six weeks now. He's caught the occasional...